This is Mark, and you're listening to the Mexican Spanish podcast from MexicanSpanish.com. Today, I'd like to talk about whether you should go to a language school in Mexico and whether you should do a homestay, stay with a local family while you're studying at the school. I've gone to two language schools in two different parts of Mexico. And I want to start by talking about my experience at each one and how they were different and what I think is relevant for somebody who's considering doing this. The first school that I went to is in the north of Mexico. And the way this type of school works, you just show up. Um, it's not a course that starts, uh, you know, at the beginning of September and runs for three months. Um, it's basically open enrollment, as we say. I, this might sound a little crazy if you're thinking of learning a language as something that is sequential and cumulative. So obviously you need to, you know, to do what you're going to do on Tuesday, you need to have had the class on Monday. But that's not generally how these schools work. They work on a more sort of organic, flexible system. And I think they do this primarily for business reasons. If, if you think about it, it's sort of obvious. It's a lot easier if you can just tell students, come any day and start whenever you want. But I, I don't think it's entirely a bad idea because um, much of what you get out of the experience really isn't based on the curriculum itself. It's it's based on the whole experience. and. For perhaps for true beginners, they might ask you to start on a Monday, something like that. But for other students, uh, you just show up and you join the class um, whenever you get there. Generally, the teachers have more experience than training. They may have been doing this for a number of years. They've figured out what works for them and for their students. But they usually don't have a formal background in language teaching and they almost never have a formal background in teaching Spanish. Um, this was explained to me at, at one time um, that, well, there aren't programs for training Spanish teachers in Mexico, so this is the best we can do. Um, that's largely true, although there are some there are some programs for learning to teach Spanish, but it's generally um, not something that's available. Sometimes you'll get someone who's trained as an English teacher, and they apply that to teaching Spanish. So something you want to think about when you're making this decision is whether you want to take private lessons or group lessons. Many schools offer both. I think that the group experience is generally better. You might have the idea that with private lessons you're going to advance really, really fast because it's all about you and there's no other students to get in the way. But a lot of the energy from a language class comes out of the interaction with the other students. If you happen to be the weakest student in the group, I think that in many ways it's a good thing because you are being exposed to a higher level of Spanish than you currently have. So that gives you um, an idea of where you want to be going. You can listen to what your fellow students say, and that's often gives you examples of vocabulary that you might want to be using yourself. If you're the strongest student in the class, sometimes that can be frustrating. But I think it's also an opportunity. You can, you know, when somebody's speaking, you can analyze what they're saying, maybe think about how you might have said it differently. 
Uh, perhaps you recognize a mistake that they made. Um, you might think about how you would have answered that question or what comment you might have made. Um, a lot of the language school experience, again, has to do with the interaction with the other students. When I went to my first language school, I had this idea that I wasn't going to talk, speak any English at all for the, for the month that I was there. That was my plan. And I think a lot of people have this plan. I don't think it's really necessary, and I, it's not necessarily the best plan. Um, here's why I say that. Because not speaking English is not the same as speaking Spanish. You cannot speak English simply by being quiet. So that rule doesn't necessarily mean that you're using your Spanish. Um, also, a lot of the opportunities to meet new people have to do with interacting with the students in your group. And those people might have better connections or other connections, perhaps with native speakers who aren't part of the school. Um, so I think that if you are interacting with the other students in your group, you often have a much more social experience. Now, if you're doing that whole experience in English, that's kind of a problem. But there's an opportunity, especially with students who aren't beginners, you can use Spanish uh, with them. And you may also, again, have the opportunity to, to meet other uh, speakers in the community. I didn't take advantage of that at the first school, and I spent a lot of time alone, and I think that was a mistake. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the homestay. So how, here's how the homestay typically works. They're local families, middle-class families. They're not families with a lot of money because if they had a lot of money, they wouldn't be accepting foreign students into their home. But by the same token, they're not poor families. The schools aren't going to place you in a situation uh, where they think it's not going to be successful to, to put a foreign student. So typically the homestay includes some meals, maybe two meals a day or three meals a day. It includes cleaning. It may include transportation back and forth from the school. I stayed with a woman who was in her 40s. She was recently divorced and had experienced a drop in her, um, in her income because of that. And she was accepting students into her home in order to make ends meet. She had two adult children living with her, which is very common in Mexico. I went to the homestay with an expectation that was not realistic at all. I had this idea, and it seems a little uh, silly to me from, from, from the current moment, but I had this idea that people who were offering their homes to do a homestay were interested in a cultural exchange of some sort. And that's one of the reasons that they were doing this. I couldn't really wrap my brain around the idea that they, the small amount of money that I was paying was a major a part of their, um, their home economy, and it was very important to uh, the economy of the household. So that's something I didn't really understand because I didn't really know Mexico at the time. And so I was disappointed because the señora, the, the woman who was receiving me in her home, really wasn't interested in interacting with me. She saw her role as someone who would um, cook my meals. She knew that the school asked her to participate in the meal, so she sat there. She, she ate on her own. She didn't eat with me. And she sort of just watched me eat. Um, and we did this for an entire month, three meals a day. <laughs> and I would make some conversation with her, but she really wasn't particularly interested in that. Of course, I went to Mexico with the idea of, I want to practice my Spanish. That's why I'm here. 
Um, and it was disappointing to realize that that was sort of a chore for her. Uh, my Spanish wasn't wasn't bad. Um, it was good enough to be you know to be fully conversational, um, but she wasn't really interested in that. Her viewpoint, I think, uh, was simply that you know her job was to provide a, a place for you to sleep that was clean and to provide meals. The f the meals were great. I mean, I enjoyed the food, and I um, I wasn't allowed to go in the kitchen. I think that's quite common. Um, Mexican um, mothers often are territorial about their kitchen, and the idea of having an outsider come in and use their kitchen is kind of horrifying to them. Again, this was something I didn't expect at all. I was coming from the American culture where you invite somebody into your home. It would be very strange to say, you can't go in my kitchen and, you know, serve yourself a glass of water, what have you. <laughs> so that was sort of another uh, aspect of culture shock. Um, the adult children didn't interact with me at all. They had their own schedules, their own lives. So I really had this expectation of participating in some way in with a Mexican family. And it wasn't that at all. So that was a disappointment. And when I went back to the same school a year later, I asked not to stay with the same family. Typically, students will often go back to the same family. I don't know why. It seems like if you want to have a new experience, you should try something different. But anyway, I asked for a new family because I didn't want to have the same experience that I had the first time. My second family was somewhat different. This was a family with a seven-year-old girl. She was very loud. She was very active. She interacted with me. Uh, the, the household was was loud, there was a dog, there was a lot of energy, uh, there was a lot of interaction, and I can see that perhaps some students wouldn't like that, but for me it was, it was great. Uh, I ate with the whole family, occasionally we ordered in, um, they took me on a few errands that they had to run, um, and I thought that although the food wasn't perhaps as good as it was at the first place, that I had a much more satisfying experience. So different, different situations are going to be different for everybody, but if you have a particular preference, feel free to express that when they're putting you in the home. You, you know, you can say, I want to be with kids, or I don't want to be with kids, or, you know, and they'll try to work around that if they can. A lot of families will, if they have room, will ex receive more than one student. And some, some of these, in some cases, they receive quite a large number of students and from their point of view from the family's point of view this is a business and the more students the more money they get um, I think that as a student this is not a good thing um, you really don't want to be living with other students if you have the opportunity to not do that so I think again if you can be in a situation where you're the only one that's great. But again, there's no guarantee that the family really wants to interact with you or wants to get to know you. I don't mean to say that they were um, especially unfriendly, but I think you have to have a realistic expectation about why it is that somebody would be inviting foreigners into their home. It's because this is an important source of income for the family. It's not because they're curious about how Americans live or how Americans are, or how foreigners are in general. I had some other problems at the first school, and some of them had to do with the school, and some of them had to do with me. Um, I, at the time, my Spanish had a lot of basic errors that I wasn't aware of, which is great. That's one of the advantages of 
taking a class, especially if there's individual attention. But I didn't really solve any of these problems during the month that I was there. I was just more aware of them. So I left really at the end of the month being somewhat discouraged. I thought, oh my God, all these things I, I didn't know that I don't know how to do. And it just ended up making me feel somewhat discouraged about my Spanish. Um, and I think that, you know, ultimately was an important experience for me to go through, but it wasn't entirely, it wasn't entirely positive. And I can remember in the afternoon, the class starts maybe at eight o'clock and then it goes through, you know, maybe one thirty or something like that. And then in the afternoon, you, you're free. You don't have school. You go home, you have lunch, and then you have the afternoon to do whatever you wanted. Well, I would just go to sleep. I was so exhausted from class. I would just go to sleep at, you know, three o'clock and I'd sleep for three or four hours every day. I think that's because my brain was just um, being overworked from uh, having to speak Spanish. Um, so anyway, that was interesting experience for me. The second school that I went to, this was a, probably two years later, in the center of the country, was a really different experience. This was a much larger school and a much more social school. And what I realized immediately was that the students did a lot of socializing with each other and a lot of socializing with the teachers. So on the weekends or after school, uh, the teachers at the first school were often um, married with families. The teachers in the second school were younger single people who were somewhat interested in interacting with their students and having a social life with them. So um, I, I had a lot of experiences like that where I would go out with the other students. We were speaking in Spanish. Uh, socializing with the teachers and um, perhaps that's an unusual situation I don't think that all schools are like this but it, it was a fairly large school and uh, I think that was a the number one difference um, the second difference was that this school actually had courses so if you're interested in a particular topic like um, Mexican history you could take a course there and I started out taking Spanish at this school but in by the first day, I realized, you know, I'm much more interested in doing subject material, and my Spanish was good enough that I think that was um, a good choice for me. And the course ran for a week. It would be an hour a day, and then the next week, the course would happen again. So I took Mexican politics, I think, five or six times, um, you know, because you get something out of taking the course over and over again. So in that school, also, it wasn't an all-day thing. You could take an hour or two in the morning, as many hours as you wanted. So I ended up sort of combining that with a lot of other activities during my day. So I was getting a lot of the benefits of being at the school, but without feeling like I was there all day because I had other stuff that I was able to, um, to do. So the homestay in my second school, again, a, a lot of students did that and they had, you know, the experience I told you about where they were with sometimes in a, in a family with various students who were placed there. I ended up doing something different. I met somebody in the supermarket on my second or third day, and he ended up saying, hey, I live in a house with a group of Mexican students. Um, he was a Mexican. Why don't you come live with us? And again, at the time, it seemed really strange. Why would, why would they want somebody they just met to come and live with them? You know, I have this American notion of privacy and boundaries, and it just seemed um, not exactly suspicious, but something I couldn't understand why they would want me to do this. Well, 
now I think I understand. You've got somebody who's coming in from another country, they have a stable income or they're financially stable, they're going to be able to pay the rent. That to them is more attractive than perhaps a Mexican student who is going to be more irresponsible, at least in, in their experience, in their eyes. And so I think that was something that was a positive for them to have me in the apartment. I think there were eight of us. It was a three-bedroom apartment. So we were sharing rooms as Mexican students often do. Um, and this was great. I got so much more experience with using Spanish and hearing Spanish in my living situation than I might have perhaps even at the school.